Kitty Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Jackson Cunningham, who founded Tuft & Paw, a modern cat furniture company. So Jackson, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So before we take a deep dive into your company and some of the programs that you've started, I just would like to find out a little bit more about you and what is it that excites you about cats? Yeah, um, I grew up with cats. All my life, I had cats. And dogs, actually. And more recently, um, as I met my current partner, she also had cats uh, all her life. And we were in an apartment, a small apartment that doesn't allow dogs. And so just more recently, in the last few years, we rescued our most recent cat, Toshi. And he is basically like, as you know, as any cat owner, you just get totally obsessed over your cat. (laughs) So that's kind of like the history of just our, ourselves and cats um, without the business. But there's definitely some some other things that led to the business. So I've been on the the website of Tuft and Paw, and uh, the furniture is is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful furniture. Thank you. Tell me who's the artist behind it all, and how did you get the idea for it? What's the history of how you got started? Basically, um, like I mentioned, just kind of light background is that we're obsessed with cats to start with, whether or not there was a business. And I was down traveling in South America with my girlfriend, and we kind of saw like something we had never really seen before um, where we're from. And it was basically just like kind of cats, so many stray cats that they're almost just kind of treated like rats or pests. People are kind of like kicking them off to the side or you know, like throwing rocks at them. And it just felt like something that was so heartbreaking. And we basically made that the decision at that time, if in the future, an opportunity ever came up where we could have some sort of business around helping the stray cat community. So then like fast forward a couple months, I had a background in e-commerce already. So selling stuff online and we were moved into a new apartment and we couldn't find anything nice. Like our, I, I'm living in a city, Vancouver, where it's kind of expensive to live. And so you, you pay so much for this small apartment and then you have to buy some kind of like cheesy, tacky, plush cat tree for your cat to play on. And I was just like shocked that there was nothing better out there. And so that's kind of like the inception story. It just seemed like a clashing of a few different things led us to start Tuft & Paw. So I'm going to go sort of to the base questions. When I talk with my cat folks about cat furniture, I can tell you we have a lot of conversations about cat furniture over the years Mm -hmm. from folks that have had cat furniture in their foster care rooms to in their own houses. And I know there's a lot of questions around design. How does it look? How durable is it? How easy is it to clean? How stable is it? Does it provide horizontal and vertical opportunities? Are those some of the things that you think about when either you're creating the furniture or you're working with designers to create the furniture? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like basically we don't take anything for granted. So like we're going from first principles where it's like, okay, we're not just going to take a scratching post and make a scratching post look better. We're thinking, okay, like, okay, why do cats scratch? Let's list all the points. What makes cats happy? So we start from like a very, very blank canvas. And then you're in this kind of unique position where you're actually designing something where like usually when you're designing something, you're designing it purely for the quote, end user. And so the end user in this case is the cat. So that poses a lot of challenges in itself in that like we can't interview cats, (laughs) we can't uh, ask for their feedback. So we kind of have to watch. But then there's this secondary thing where like, yeah, your end user is the cat, but your end user is also the human because the human's going to be purchasing it. They want something to be a certain size. And so like a perfect example is like we're working on a new litter box. And after talking to lots of cat behaviorists, which is, you know, one of the things that we do thoroughly before working on a new product is we talk to behaviorists and vets and even shelters. And the size of their ideal litter box from the cat's perspective, the behaviorists tell us that it needs to be quite big, much bigger than, for example, the litter box I have in my own house, which is a, a traditional pan with a shovel. But lots of times we hear the litter box should be much bigger with much bigger size because it's preferable for the cat. But then you have to think from the human's perspective, that's not really ideal. The reality of the situation is that you need something that is going to fit into a smaller space like a bathroom and whatever. So it's a constant sort of juggling of these different trying to get as many features in as we can while keeping both the human and the cat happy. Yeah, I can see that happening quite a few times based on the conversations I've had with cat behaviorists and they've come into houses and they're talking about the litter boxes way buried behind the washing machine and the laundry room. Yeah. And then the cat's peeing around the house and it's like, well, you know, right. You know, there's got to be a better alternative to that, but coming from someone who, you know, has cats, you know, you also aren't too excited about having all the cat litter tracked around the house too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you hope that you can design something that kind of like can solve both in a way or like if you have to sacrifice a few percentage points from the cat's happiness, then hopefully it gives a lot more happiness to the owner. And it's just a really it is a super unique design process. And like we have two engineers on our team who are building out the designs and prototypes and our head of product has 20 years in the furniture industry. And it's like a completely different thing just because there not many people have done it before. And And like I said, the the whole dynamic between the cat, it being more mysterious to figure out what they actually want. So when did you found Tuft and Paw? When did you open up your doors? Yeah, so first started October 2016 um, was when like the site launched and it was pretty quiet, I'd say. Like that's the end of 2016. Nothing really happened. 2017, really just like still working another job and trying to grow it on the side. And then 2018, January 2018, so about a little over a year ago is when like it started picking up a lot more traction. Mm -hmm. And so I quit my job at the time and then just have been going full time since. And we had a ton of growth over 2018. And now is when we're just really going all in on like offering some super innovative stuff. Like I said, we're working on a really cool litter box that we're super excited about Um, a scratching post that we think is going to be like one of the best scratching posts on the market. In terms of your knowledge about the product that you produce, what do you think the lifespan should be for a piece of cat furniture? 
Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, another thing that's really important to us is the environmental side of things as one of our like core values, pretty much. So we are trying to design things that last for life. In some cases, you know, like maybe if we're using sizal and it wears out, we make sure that the products we offer are going to have an easy way to replace the bare minimum. We're trying to make stuff that you shouldn't have to replace. Excellent. And then the products that you use, the materials you use, are you trying to source them environmentally? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So like right now, we're selling stuff on our site that isn't made by us. Like we have probably 200 different products on our site. And they're just from, in our opinions, the best suppliers that are out there right now that are doing most of this stuff already. But 2019 is kind of the new chapter when we're actually going from design to production on a variety of our own designs. And the, the like mandate for our products is, okay, the cat has to like it, the human has to like it, and it needs to be as environmentally friendly as possible. And that includes sourcing materials. So like we have found a supplier who has plastics that we can use for injection molding that are 100% made from ocean plastics, which is quite a bit more expensive actually, because like plastic is really cheap. But when you're actually sourcing it from ocean plastics, it's not. But like the last absolute last thing as a person that I want to do is add more kind of crap in this world. So that's like number one, we're not going to release any product that is doing any environmental damage. Trying to catch a pregnant cat in time? Are you after that last cat who isn't fixed in your 10 cat colony? Got a wily feral who just won't go into a box trap no matter how much you spend on roasted chicken? How about catching a litter of kittens all at once with their mom? All these tough trapping situations and more can be solved if you know how to use a drop trap. Join Neighborhood Cats, co-designers of the first mass-manufactured drop trap on the market as they demonstrate how to best use this trapper's best friend, the drop trap. A Trapper's Best Friend is a webinar presented by the Community Cats Podcast and Neighborhood Cats on Saturday, June 29th, 2019 from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To sign up, go to communitycatspodcast.com. We'll see you there. Are you struggling to increase positive outcomes in your shelter? Are you overwhelmed with high stray intake and low owner reclaim? Do you wish you had solutions to your biggest problems? The Path Ahead provides in-person and remote consulting for animal welfare organizations. Let us help you to increase life-saving by engaging your community and maintaining the human-animal bond. The Path Ahead teaches proven best practices for humane, effective animal welfare, including community cat management, missing pet prevention and recovery, and progressive adoptions. By identifying and addressing outdated and unproductive practices, you can reduce intake and length of stay and keep animals in their loving homes where they belong. Leave the past behind and take the path ahead to success. Visit our website at www.animalwelfaresuccess.com. Before we uh, started recording, we were also talking about some of the other interesting programs that you're getting going in 2019. And there's one program that you're talking about that there's a designated organization partnered with the Stray Cat Alliance out of LA to be able to have customers who buy furniture able to have a partial donation then go to that organization. Do you want to share a little bit more? I'm very sketchy on the details, so there might be a little bit more 
more to it than that. Yeah. So like, okay, basically as a business, we wanted to try to figure out a way to um, build a referral program. So like lots of companies have it, you know, like once you purchase something from them, they ask you to share it with your friends for some incentive. And that helps the business grow and, and so they can do better things and whatever. So it's hopefully good for everybody. Um, what we were running into, though, with a referral program is that, like, there was nothing that really incentivized our customers enough. What people would traditionally do is, hey, um, tell your friend about us and we'll, you'll each get $20. And it's not quite incentivizing enough because our products are on the pricier side of things. So $20 doesn't really make a major dent. But what we found from talking to our customers is that they were super, more than anybody, and, and anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure knows, like people who are in, into cats just love cats. Like, <laughs> like it's the most obsessive group I've ever had the chance of, uh, of knowing. So we thought that a better incentive, instead of saying, we basically had a budget of $50 for a referral. Instead of saying, hey, refer a friend and you can each get 25 bucks, we are contacting a variety of different organizations. And like you said, um, we ended up with the Stray Cat Alliance. They have a program that basically we can pay $50 and that buys a bag of supplies that can directly be tied to saving the life of a kitten. The issue is that so many neonatal kittens are brought to the city shelters and there's so much care required that the majority of them end up being euthanized and most people who are bringing them in don't even realize that. So what this program does is it provides a kit to these families who bring in the, the kittens and allows them to bring the kitten up to an age where it's hundreds times more likely to survive than if it had just been brought in. So that's the program that we're going to be launching. And basically, it would be available to any customer from Tuft & Paw would get their own special referral link where every single customer that they send to Tuft & Paw, we provide enough to um, supply one of these kittens um, with the supplies to survive. And then we provide updates on that kitten that was saved to the person who referred. That's impressive. That's great. Yeah. That's really nice. And I know LA's got their hands full with plenty of kittens and cats. That's for sure. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question. You said you have past experience in the e-commerce realm. Maybe it's a little off topic, but it's somewhat on topic because I think some of the nonprofit organizations and the community cat groups that are listening, they sometimes have online shops like selling t-shirts and things to promote, you know, their own organization and that and I sometimes find it's a lot of work and maybe they don't make a lot of money that way. And fundraising is what makes the world go around yeah. for us in the nonprofit world. As an e-commerce person with experience, thinking like a small nonprofit business with not a lot of people going around, you know, everybody's out there trapping or fostering or cleaning cages right. in the shelter. You know, would you recommend an e-commerce presence on a site as a fundraiser? Or is there are there any tricks that can make it less painful? Yeah, Um there's like a few things. I think that it would be kind of interesting for some of these nonprofits to like reach out to somebody in the e-commerce space to kind of like maybe get more of a custom audit of some ways they could maybe add some more revenue. Like I can think off the top of my head, like I know there's lots of places, for example, Tuft & Paw, we are trying out a full sponsorship with uh, cat cafe where we basically are providing tons of furniture and support just because it makes sense for us to get our name out there. And I wonder if there'd be other 
we also have like a partner program where, for example, people can sell our products and get 15% of whatever sales are generated. So like even without holding inventory, like a shelter, for example, just using us as an example, could send customers to our products and then get 15% of the average order, which is around $500. So like that's you know, a decent amount. So is, is that ca- called an affiliate program? Is that what an affiliate program is? Yeah, yeah, that, that would be an affiliate program. So like an aff- affiliate has a slight connotation of like, you're just doing it for the money. Like there's online affiliates and they're like, okay, well, I'll, I'm just like selling whatever I can like to my list. But it's essentially the same thing, like where you're basically getting a kickback on sales that you're able to refer over. But it seems to me like a great idea if you're running a shelter, people are already looking for good furniture. It's like if you can send them to the right place and also um, a lot of times the programs have a discount for the customer and for the shelter, it's like everybody wins. So that's something that I think shelters could definitely, if they didn't want to handle having extra inventory and product development, they could find like five or 10 vendors, like who they recommend, like the best cat food, and then maybe contact that company and be like, hey, we're actually already sending you so many referrals. Like, would you be interested in like signing us up for your affiliate program? And the shelter isn't doing it for the money. They were already going to recommend that place, but it's just more about adding more to so that you can continue doing what you're doing. So that's interesting. We have what's called the Community Cats Grants Program. Yeah. We mentor small nonprofits for three-month period. Julie Jacobson heads up this program, and she mentors groups for three months in a brand-new fundraising endeavor. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a spaghetti dinner. It can be a social media campaign. It can be a holiday appeal letter or a written letter. It can be whatever, as long as it's something new and that they're not familiar with, because we want to encourage encourage organizations to try new fundraisers, especially focusing on raising money for spay neuter, which is usually something that kind of goes by the wayside because they're trying to pay for their overhead in the shelter and that kind of thing. So, so we, we have this program, but, you know, even doing something like utilizing social media. And so I guess my next question would be like, how important is social media to you in your business, but using, utilizing that, utilizing that network to be able to build up fundraising dollars. Yeah, so there's lots of talk about social media, where it's going these days um, in the e-commerce space. And like, unfortunately, you know, you probably know this, the organic reach of like, so if we're talking social media, I guess the the main ones for most people are going to be Facebook pages or Instagram. With Facebook, the organic reach, so like you post and like, let's say 30% of the people who follow your page see it is now down to something like so sad, like less, like one tenth of a percent of people see it from your group when you post Mm. it so most Mm. marketers are on the page of like one single email address is worth 10 or even a thousand facebook likes so email is still just kind of like the king if you have like a good responsive email list that you're not spamming you're not emailing every like day unless that's kind of what they signed up for then that seems to be the most effective way to still get in touch with people um otherwise like facebook ads are still really effective but i don't really know if that's something that the um, shelters and nonprofits are investing into um so yeah social media is 
tricky. I'd say like the top top percentiles of people on Instagram are are getting rewarded, but otherwise a lot of people are spending more time than they probably should be. Yeah, it's something I think about all the time when, you know, I'm on various different social media accounts is just wondering, you know, is this where, you know, the biggest bang for my buck is? And I certainly do prioritize. I have a, a Monday morning newsletter just to announce the show of the week and we have a blog post mm-hmm. and, you know, upcoming trainings and that kind of thing. And um, that's always the priority is to get that out every Monday to make sure that there's a regular readership out there. But yeah, capturing names is something that's very important. And a lot of people don't think about it even in their in their fundraising and their outreach efforts. So I'm sorry to kind of get off topic, but if somebody ever says that they've had experience in e-commerce, I always, I'm fascinated by it because it obviously it's a very successful realm to be in, but yet also I think it's pretty scary too. Yeah, really competitive and like lots of factors are outside of your control and lots of uncertainty. If folks are interested in finding out more about your product, Jackson, how would they do that? So they can visit tuftandpaw.com. So T-U-F-T-A-N-D-P-A-W, tuftandpaw.com or on Instagram at tuftandpaw. And yeah, check out our products. And I would encourage people... So our products are expensive, and that's because many of them are handmade. They're made to last for life. Um, we have a full product guarantee. If you're not happy, we'll take it back. Also, if you feel like the products are, are outside of your price range, I would encourage them to sign up for our email list or check back in a couple months because we it's something that we want to be doing over the next six months is, is um, releasing an, some new products that are more attainable for the majority of cat owners. Excellent. Well, that's great. We'll definitely keep a lookout for that. Jackson, any other last thoughts? Anything you want to share with our listeners? I just, again, want to thank the community of cat owners and cat shelters. I feel like I've gotten to know so many of the shelters over the last couple of years, and it's just really amazing all the work everybody's putting into it. And just the passion, like I said, of cat owners is I haven't seen it with any other group in my life. That's great. And I will put in a a reminder here at the end that you do have an affiliate program. Yeah. So that if there are any uh, shelters, uh, organizations, nonprofit groups that think that they could benefit from that they should certainly reach out to you to find out how to sign up for that definitely yeah they can contact me jackson at tuftonpaw.com and i will walk them through everything needed to be successful we will do custom stuff custom printouts just for any individual shelter so if if anybody thinks there's an opportunity to recommend cat furniture then definitely hit me up and we can make sure that it's successful for everyone Awesome. Excellent. Jackson, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Join us June 21st through 23rd for a kitten-focused event presented by the National Kitten Coalition and the Community Cats Podcast. This three-day virtual gathering will feature presentations by experts on raising and saving kittens, setting up and managing kitten-centered shelter programs, and more. Early bird tickets are available now through April 30th for just $50, and after that, $75 tickets will be available through June 22nd. So don't wait. Sign up for the 2019 Online Kitten Conference.